Good morning. Whoops. I'm introducing myself differently today. I'm Wimala, and uh, no longer Bikuni or Aya Wimala. As you can see, I'm dressed differently. It was the, today's the first day that I am uh, fully back to being a layperson. Yesterday, I had a beautiful ceremony, a disrobing ceremony at Blue Lotus Temple with some of, with several, all of the monks, many of the monks I've worked with over the years. I made the decision to disrobe, not to stop teaching or, well, to the level that I can teach, not to stop working, uh, not to stop this recording, not to stop doing the the uh, teaching I do on Zoom, or even being at the temple. But I did make the decision to go back to being a, a lay person, just changing the side of the the greater sangha that I am sitting on now. So um, it was a decision that took me a long time to make and was very difficult, but I'm hoping that it just is a way to show my respect to the sangha the, of the bhikkhunis and bhikkhus and the hard work and discipline in their lives. And I often, because I live on my own, feel that I'm uh, kind of straddling that fence between a lay person and a monastic. And finally, the decision was for me to uh, work as a lay person and continue doing what I'm doing, but doing it from a place of great respect for both for all lay people and all monastics. It's important we find the right spot for us to be in and uh, then continue the spiritual path the, the best way we can. We're all going in the same direction. So it's a big change for me and I hope it's not a, uh, I hope it isn't a burden for any of you to carry because it's uh it was uh, beautiful yesterday, and uh, I think I, I think I have a place. I told everyone I'm not going anywhere, and Blue Lotus is my my home. So, so today that's so I wore something very different today. It's very hard to decide what to wear every day. It's much better when you. Oh, it's much better when you can. Just know the robes are there. So, let's read a little bit from Wisdom is Bliss, and then we'll, we'll meditate together. And this is the book that we're reading from, Wisdom is Bliss, Four Friendly Fun Facts That Can Change Your Life. You might be able to read this. Maybe not. It's... Uh, Wisdom is Bliss was published just this year, 2021, and it's written by Robert Thurman, who's a very well-known Tibetan scholar and writer and teacher and uh, lives in New York. And he's written many, many other books and is a good friend of the Dalai Lama's. And this book was a gift, and I find that even speaking from the Tibetan tradition, this book is about the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, and the words resonate with, with everyone, I think, in any Buddhist path. 
These are the these are the essences of the Buddhist teachings, and I like being able to look at even someone else's, uh, you know, kind of investigating the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, and really learning to make them be part of our lives. It's really good to see how other traditions uh, look at them and ways they talk about them. So it's been a delight to read this book. And here's the next section. We're, we're reading from the section on the realistic worldview. And we've been reading about... Um, this gradual lessening of our, uh, the fetters. The fetters or the defilements are based in our distorted inner sense. What we really are is some sort of, that we think we are some kind of fixated self. So he's just been talking about the concept of self and no self in Buddhism. Very good. I like his, uh, what he said about that. But today let's read, there's a little squirrel wanting to come in here. Today let's read from Buddhism is realism, not religion as defined today. This is a small section. All of this is to say, and this is all of what we just talked about on uh, Friday about the self. All of this is to say that Buddhism isn't so much a religion as a worldview. That's so true. In conversation with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, he and I worked out a fun formula that Buddhism, while highly spiritual, is only maximally one-sixth a religion, since religion is currently defined as a system of ultimate beliefs and associated ritual and moral behaviors. While Buddhism in practice consists of the three super-educations in ethic, mind, and wisdom. And that's another uh, definition for the Eightfold Path. The three super-educations in ethics, mind, and wisdom. Ethics is based on the reality of interpersonal action. In other words, helping and not harming others. Mind is developing stronger powers of self-awareness and self-transforming concentration. Finally, wisdom is the understanding of reality. The confidence in the possibility of understanding the world, the one that one could become enlightened if one succeeds in the education as to how to control negative habits of body, speech, and mind. Broaden awareness and sharpen insight and explore the nature of reality. So, the confidence and the possibility of understanding the world, those things that I just mentioned, is only a provisional belief, seeking confirmation or disconfirmation by your own experience. Buddhism is a religion Buddhism as a religion is wonderful for some, but will not by itself get one to the evolutionary summit of Nibbana or Buddhahood, which is humanity's optimal condition. However, Buddha's threefold supereducation, the Eightfold Path, 
in life, mind, and science will get one to a deeper personal sanity and an appropriate public civility and adaptability on planet Earth, no matter what one's religious home. I love that. That's just a beautiful definition. Way back, before I went to graduate school, Geshe Wang Yao told me I should focus on language, linguistics, and science, and that my work in the future would have to do with Buddhist science. Later, after I received my doctorate, he and the Dalai Lama commissioned me to translate the Tibetan collection of the Buddhist science text preserved from the lost great Indian universities, a collection known as the Tengyur, that's literally Tibetan for Scientific Treaties in Translation. These texts are a 1,500-year codification of the wisdom knowledge that can govern our behavior and interaction with our surrounding animate and inanimate relativities and can liberate us from our mental and physical suffering. As the original founder of the Buddhist inner science tradition that transformed Tibet, Buddha was compelled by his awakening to reality to serve humanity as an educator, not as a religious prophet, because he knew that you cannot be liberated through blind faith, but only through experiential knowledge, wisdom. So experiential knowledge is wisdom. Education is the process that brings that deep wisdom forth, leads it forth, as in the Latin educati, from within your human intelligence and your sensitive heart. To emphasize, the religious belief component cannot liberate you from suffering because only wisdom can liberate you from suffering. As the great 8th century philosopher and sage Shantidewa says in his Entering the Way of the Enlightening Hero, everything the Buddha taught us was for the sake of wisdom. Everything boils down to salvation coming from you, uh, coming from your own sharp intelligence and your own experiential knowledge, your own wisdom. Again, as my final slogan, and after 60 years of working with it, Buddhism just seems to be realism. Buddhism is realism. That's my motto. No need to worry about religion, for or against. Just be realistic. It's just the A, the Alpha Principle. Nowadays, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. Of course, to get the impact of that, you have to know that Buddha discovered that the reality you're being realistic about is the bliss you're looking for. So that there's a, there are a few more paragraphs, but I think that this is very important. This last sentence. Just be realistic. It's just the A, the Alpha Principle. Nowadays, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. 
Of course, to get the impact of that, you have to know that Buddha discovered that the reality you're being realistic about is the bliss you're looking for. So they aren't separate. To be able to see the world with clarity, to see the reality of nature and of this world, is also what we call Nibbana or Nirvana. There, it isn't a it isn't a place we go to. It's this place right where we are, but seeing it seeing it truly. Buddha was overjoyed to discover that the real reality is bliss, the bliss energy of perfect freedom. Therefore, the experiential knowledge of that real reality is also bliss. Body and soul, one merges with it, merges with that reality. One melts into the bliss that is release from suffering. One can even say reality is only thoroughly known by bliss. Subjectivity itself melted into bliss. Thoroughly knowing it is being it. That's a very important sentence. Thoroughly knowing it is being it. Just yesterday, Bhante Sankicha in the talk in the morning was talking about we when the Buddha talks about even at some point we let go of the Dhamma, and Bhante Sankicha was explaining what that means is at some point we become the Dhamma, we become that truth, that reality. We become the teachings we study and the concepts that we we learn about that are the concepts we want to develop within ourselves. This is exactly what he's saying. Thoroughly knowing it is being it. Ignorance, our misknowing of reality, is not bliss. It is self-entrapment in separation, a state of alienation that faces all the seemingly insoluble problems. Our mis-ignorance, uh, this is another, these sentences are great. Ignorance, our misknowing of reality, is not bliss. It is self-entrapment in separation, a state of alienation that faces all the seemingly insoluble problems. Misknowing, misperception, misunderstanding, these cause suffering. They are suffering. Luckily, misknowing is never total, as knowing is always coming through in the inadvertent, intuitive, and all too often unnoticed sparkles around the edges. Buddha's discovery of reality was his experience of nirvana, or nibbana in Pali, pure freedom. On that happy morning when he fully awoke from misknowing and fully expanded his being through blissful knowing as infinite interbeing, he exclaimed, Deep, peace, clear light, non-proliferating, uncreative, I have found the one reality like the deathless elixir. When we know true reality, we know total bliss.
So I'm not going to read any more today so we can sit. But the next short section is wisdom is bliss, ignorance not so much. So we'll talk more about that. Isn't this a beautiful book? So, it's our own wisdom, our own experiential knowledge that gets us where we, where we want to go. And it's living in the world. This is where we find, this is where we can find that, that bliss, that's freedom. So, uh, it's good to see some uh, Karen. Good morning from Texas. Yeah, I was just reading about your uh, nature center yesterday on Facebook. And Eva, hello. Thank you for congratulating me. So, um, why don't we sit together and I'll be here again on Tuesday. My schedule will stay the same. The things I'm doing, including the book group, all those remain the same. So, hope you'll keep following me. So why don't we sit? It's a beautiful day here. It's cold, but sunny and bright. And uh, I hope I hope you're having good weather. I know there were lots of uh, damaging tornadoes all over southern southern Illinois and Kentucky. So hopefully, hopefully that's at an end for now, for the moment. So just allow your body to lift up. If you can, kind of roll your shoulders back. That always helps me because I have a tendency to start slumping over. And just lift your spine up. Let it feel good. Feel like you're just lifting yourself up. Be aware of the body breathing. And let your natural breath just allow more and more oxygen into your lungs. Not forcing it, but just by your posture, you can increase. Slowing the breath down a bit, just increase the amount of oxygen you're breathing in and out. Be aware of everything going on around you and inside of you. Gradually, we can feel that equanimity between the inside and the outside. When things come at us from the outside, if we feel too cold, 
or our body's too hot, we can gradually get to the point where we can just be okay with that. Or if there's a loud sound that we might think of as unpleasant, we can reach a point where our calm mind just accepts it for what it is. It's just a sound. It's not there to personally irritate us. Even our thoughts, we don't need to repress them, but we can allow them to come and then to go away. We can choose not to feed them with our attention. Our thoughts are not who we are. So the same way we breathe in and out, we don't hold our breath. We let all things rise and fall. Allow it to be there in our awareness. and then allow it to move on. Be aware of your body making contact with the earth. If you're not outside, you're still, there's a floor beneath you that represents the earth. Or you're sitting and that chair you're in represents the earth.
Let your body relax. Now, if you can keep sitting, or if you're doing walking meditation, standing meditation, maybe on your back, but just continue if you can, even for a few more minutes. May all of you be well and peaceful and truly happy and content. May everything we do today be done not only for our benefit, everything we do or say or think, but may it also be done for the benefit of all other living beings everywhere. So thank you very much for being a big part of my practice and have a beautiful day.